Thanks for tuning in to the CHCA Entrepreneurial Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Carter, and on today's episode, I'll be interviewing Paul Picton, co-owner of Maverick Chocolate here in Cincinnati. Listen in as Paul discusses the role of the conscious capitalist, as well as his experience as what he calls an accidental social entrepreneur. Joining me by phone is Paul Picton. Paul is a co-owner of Maverick Chocolate here in Cincinnati, Ohio. Paul, thanks so much for joining me today. My pleasure, Stephen. So, Paul, you are, as I mentioned, uh, with Maverick Chocolate, and uh, Maverick Chocolate's getting quite a name here in Cincinnati for its wonderful chocolate. And I'm, I'm curious, just for our listeners... Could you kind of give us just a, a brief overview of what the business is, your your sort of uh, company's um, effort, and what Maverick is all about? Certainly. So uh, my wife Marlene and I started Maverick Chocolate about six years ago because we were very passionate chocolate fans, and there was nowhere in Cincinnati to get craft chocolate. And by craft chocolate, we mean chocolate that was you know sourced ethically. Uh, handcrafted, uh, made by, you know, an actual craftsperson, not by, you know, big industrial uh, machinery. And so we felt that was really something that was uh, lacking in the Cincinnati area. And so we pursued that um, in order to, you know, to be able to create the business. I came from um, a much more, you know, corporate uh, environment. I had worked for uh, GE and uh, Delta Airlines previously. And so um, was getting a little fed up of sort of the corporate rat race and uh, decided that we needed to do something that sort of kept me a little more grounded. Uh, and, and chocolate was, was one uh, that we were passionate chocolate fans. And we really wanted to be able to contribute back, uh, not just to make and, and sell good chocolate, but also to support the farmers that we buy the beans from. Um, we discovered a few years earlier that, you know, a lot of cacao was grown under uh, very uh, poor working conditions for the laborers, for the farmers, and we wanted to be able to provide an alternative uh, to that as well. So we one of the things we've been talking about in this podcast is how entrepreneurs at heart are problem solvers. And what I'm hearing you say is that, you saw several problems at once. Uh, number one, the dearth of quality chocolate in Cincinnati, which you set out to solve. But then also some aspects related uh, to more of a societal, even climate-related issues, which really falls under what we often talk about with regard to social entrepreneurship. So do you see yourself as fulfilling multiple roles at once with Maverick Chocolate? I, I really do. Um, I, I wouldn't say that we started out with the intention of being a social enterprise, uh, I think six years ago, that term was still uh, in its infancy. Um, but, you know, we knew that starting a business would give us an opportunity to do things that were true to our values, to the things that we believed in um, and that we wanted to make happen. We know that the big corporate uh, uh, world is, you know, dictated by, you know, shareholders and stock market pricing and, and things like that and don't have that same flexibility uh, to necessarily what we would call do the right thing. And so we knew that our business 
was going to be founded on the principles that we believed in. And, um, and that, you know, coincided very nicely with, with chocolate. Uh, you know, so for us, it was a very easy fit, if you will, to say, yes, let's make the world's best chocolate. By doing so, we go buy the world's best beans and, you know, let's reward those farmers who make those excellent beans by giving them a price that's fair and, and worthy of those beans. So we sort of became accidental uh, social entrepreneurs, um, basically by doing what we believed in. And, and, and I would say I think a lot of entrepreneurs um, are that way. Uh, I know the term capitalism gets a bad rap sometimes these days as being all about greed, but um, I think there's a whole other branch uh, of business owners uh, you know, that maybe calls conscious capitalists where we're trying to you know, make the world better um, through our own businesses. I love that that term, conscious capitalist. That's uh, that's a great way to describe those who are focused on a capitalist venture, but at the same time trying to do it the right way and and do things that uh, you have kind of an ethical grounding to them. I, I do have to ask, though. I mean, you being in the corporate world, deciding to go all in on a small business venture—that's a huge risk. What? What was going through your mind? I mean, were you worried about this not working? What, what, were, what were some of the fears that you were facing early on? So it was it was a big risk. I, I was a corporate executive uh, before this, uh, you know, with a very good salary and benefits package. Uh, um, and I knew that was all going to go away. Um, but I truly felt that, you know, my quality of my day-to-day life was more important Uh the stress of working for a corporation um, really got to be untenable where you'd walk in one day, not not knowing if you're going to get a raise or if you're going to get fired. And so the whimsicalness of the corporate world um, became very stressful. And so, you know, you don't know how to prepare yourself and I'm a planning person by nature. So I'd like to know an uncertainty like that was, um, really trying for me. So I knew financially it was going to be a a very big risk. Um, You know, we were financially reasonably well prepared. We had no uh, debt other than our house. Uh, We had money saved up, uh, you know, so, you know, we didn't have to worry about it being paycheck to paycheck, um, you know, which I think was a wise thing to do. But still, we needed more money than we had, so we had a second mortgage on the house. Uh, we took money out of the 401k, so, um, you know, we did take a very big uh, personal risk, um, you know, but my thought was that that was still less risky than continuing to work for a corporation that might decide to fire me or lay me off the next day, and then, then what, right? So... This way, I felt I had uh, a little more control over my destiny. Um, maybe it wasn't as lucrative uh, by the bank account uh, ledger, but I thought that it was going to be a better lifestyle. Um, again, recognizing I wouldn't be making as much money, I'd be working longer hours, but that um, I have a stronger sense of pride in what I'm doing, and I get to work with my family. So there were a lot of pluses on on that side that the extra work and and the loss of pay, I thought, um, completely uh, overrode. Well, longer hours with the added benefit of the smell of chocolate in the background probably (laughs) probably also helps to an extent. 
It, it does, and that I got to work with my my family. So my wife and my son work in the business as well. So longer hours really were spending time with the same people we would be spending at home. So um, so it didn't really feel like the same uh, burden. There wasn't that separation the same way. So um, we got closer, I think, as a family uh, by working together in the business. So um, and and that is something that's truly precious that. You know, a lot of uh, families don't have that opportunity to uh, to work together, and especially as the kids uh, grow older, to um, have a relationship with them as an adult and as as a peer in in business. So uh, for me, that has been um, really one of the more important parts to starting the business. Well, if you had a chance, Paul, to talk to yourself, you said it's been about six years. Let's say to talk to yourself six or seven years you know, before and kind of give yourself some advice, maybe some mistakes that you wish you hadn't made in this process, maybe some things you've learned. What would, what would be some things that you would tell yourself to sort of watch out for as you set about on this journey? Um, I think I would tell myself to don't uh, focus on growth if you have to take on debt to make that growth happen. So um, now, as we're in the midst of, uh, uh, of the uh, COVID-19 crisis, um, having a lot of debt payments has uh, created a lot of the anxiety. So um, growing is good, um, but I think I would have done things a little bit differently to um, maybe have borrowed less, uh, borrowed a different way in order that um, debt payments weren't going to be uh, such a burden as they are right now. So um, that's probably my my number one um, goal or, or thing I would tell myself. The second thing I would tell myself was that um, you can probably do a little bit more before you need to hire somebody. So um, we hired people pretty quickly, um, pretty fast. And, and whenever somebody left, we made sure we replaced them quite quickly. And and now I've got the situation where most of my staff is, is laid off. And, um, you know, and that's emotionally difficult for um, business owners as well as, as for the people who, who get laid off. So um, I think if I could do it with a little less staff and a little less debt, um, that, that would be my two big uh, steps of advice. You mentioned the COVID-19 crisis that we're currently in, and no one is experiencing this more than our small business owners, our local restaurants, our retail shops, facilities like yours, where the owners have had to lay people off. I mean, there's there's no more foot traffic. People are staying inside, and we've we've really never had a precedent like this to follow because this is so new for us, and it's taking a devastating toll on people like you. And I'm, I'm curious, could you tell us just a little bit about what that experience has been like, you know, when you first heard uh, you, that this was going to impact retail, like what, what was sort of going on in your mind and what have you done to uh, help the situation wherever you can? Today is, is March 31st for those of us who are listening in the future. Um, so about two weeks ago, around uh, March 16th, uh, when uh, Governor DeWine had said, hey, uh, look, we're going to have to start social distancing, uh, um, closing things down and, and uh, you know, non-essential services, uh, go home, uh, people need to self-quarantine. And so um, our store at Finley Market is the hub of tourism in Cincinnati. 
And so we stayed open. Um, I laid off the people who worked there um, mostly because um, they had immediate health concerns themselves. They were very high risk and I didn't want them uh, to get infected. And so I took over uh, manning the counter. Um, I had one customer in two days. And, you know, so that's not a sustainable kind of a business on a typical, you know, weekday, we would have probably seen 40 to 50 customers per day. Um, and, and so I saw one day wow. zero and the next day one. Uh, so, so you went from what would have been about a hundred customers down to one, yes. 1% yes. of your walk-in traffic. And so, um, and that has now continued. So, um, I closed Finley. Uh, during the weekdays because it just didn't make sense to try to stay open. Uh, um, my wife and I are the two employees who are back on. We live together so we can self-quarantine uh, in our house or in the back of our Rookwood shop. Um, but, um, you know, we opened Finley Market uh, on Saturday and Sunday, uh, and sales were down 95% from a year ago and um, over 80% from just two weeks ago. So, a normal day like that would have been maybe close to $3,000 and we did $100. Um, so, um, so, wow. so wow. it's devastating from a foot traffic standpoint, but again, one of the things that small business owners, uh, as you mentioned, were problem solvers. We sort of pride ourselves is, uh, okay, how do we adapt? Uh, the modern term is pivot and, um, we have an online store. And so we, crank that up and, and started sending out uh, email blasts. Uh, you know, we have a sales funnel. Uh, we're big fans of, of Donald Miller's uh, um, uh, story brand. And so we follow him quite closely about how to, you know, communicate your message. And so we have been able to have our total sales um, at roughly around 40% of what they were before this. So online has picked up from about 5% to said close to almost 40% now um, of, of what we're doing. So, um, you know, so that has helped tremendously, uh, allows me to, you know, pay the bills, uh, you know, still got to pay rent, uh, still got to pay, uh, you know, the bank payments back, uh, you know, so most of those haven't gone away. Um, a few of them have been deferred, but deferring, deferring just means that this summer I'm going to have extra big bills. So, um, so it's, um, but you know, you do right, what you have to right. in the short time. We, uh, borrowed more off our line of credit, um, you know, to try to, to make this, uh, change. And so I think what we are now really trying to look at is, you know, how much a walk-in traffic is going to be the new normal, uh, you know, in the next couple of months, are people going to start going back out to, you know, socializing, going to restaurants, going to ball games. Um, if they do, that's great. But what if they don't? What if this sort of creates a national paranoia uh, that lasts maybe a year or two? So um, we are doubling down on our online store. So, um, you know, we're looking at different kinds of promotions, um, what we can do to help support our online customers, um, you know, curbside uh, pickup. Um, sending them to family, to friends, putting in note cards, uh, um, you know, some of the other product offerings we would normally only have in the store, like cookies. Can we now start to ship our cookies that we've become known for? So um, how do we shift and, and pivot? Because, you know, I really don't have 
an option to say, okay, well, I'm just not going to open again. As I said, we've got a lot of debt that uh, we took on to grow to our new location. And so um, as all small business owners, we are personally liable. So we can't just walk away and going, well, somebody else's problem. Um, those debts would follow us. So we have to make it work. Um, and I don't think most small business owners are quitters uh, by nature. We, we wouldn't give up, uh, I, I think, unless there was truly no other option. We'll, we'll keep it going to the bitter end. Um, so for us, I think, you know, right now it looks like we're okay. We've had a lot of online uh, support. Um, it's just going to have to continue, you know, so people are going to have to shift a little bit of how they're thinking instead of, I'll just go into my favorite store, favorite restaurant. It's now going to be, okay, I need to order from them. And we're going to have to get back to treating it that way. Places like Amazon, Walmart are doing great right now because they're one-stop shopping. And so people are at home like, oh, I need to get some groceries. I need to get some chocolate. I need to buy some electronics. I can get everything from Amazon. But small business owners are hurt because you have to go to my website in order to to get my chocolate. You know, you have to go to, you know, the hair salon's website to get their hair products and, and those things. So in order to have our viable small businesses, you know, we as consumers are going to have to use a little extra effort to go around and, you know, virtually visit all of our local um, locations. So I think if that happens, you know, we will still be fine. Um, you know, Things will look different. Uh, growth plans will look different. Uh, costs will look different. But, um, you know, I, I think that, you know, we'll still be around five, 10 years from now. Absolutely. Well, and I think it's that entrepreneurship spirit you talked about, that problem-solving part of the uh, natural entrepreneur that, that that comes out. Now, you mentioned that your online sales have picked up, which is awesome. And it sounds like in this time, many people are having to rely on technology and on, on possibly different aspects of technology than they have before. I know speaking for myself as a teacher, everything has removed, has moved to remote learning. So we've had to learn new, you know, new ways to implement our instruction, things like zoom, uh, using video conferencing. And I'm curious in, in addition to the online store, have you explored any other areas in technology to, educate people about your business to, you know, I don't know if there's like a, a chocolate virtual tasting. Are, are there any other things in the works that you're looking at that will create a remote experience for Maverick Chocolate? Nothing specifically like that. Um, we are looking at trying to, you know, improve our technology on the back end to help with fulfillment and, and, and those things, uh, you know, so we can deliver, you know, accurately timely um i i experience is a whole new kind of a thing and and the whole idea of a virtual experience is also almost an oxymoron right because how do you taste online how do you smell online and so for food particularly um that becomes challenging because one of the things you want to do is you want to encourage your your customers um so I don't want to be trying chocolate in front of them, basically, as teasing them, going, hey, you don't have this. I do. Look at what I have. Right? Um, sure. And so, but related, what we've, we've looked at is maybe we can do community tasting. So, 
you know, we offer uh, some kind of a package. We're going to send out two bars or chocolate to whoever. And then we'll do, uh, you know, a Zoom, uh, FaceTime kind of uh, video conferencing where we now all have chocolate in front of us so we can taste it ourselves. Um, and then, you know, myself as the mentor can now do the, the guiding through as I would have done it, um, you know, in, in person uh, like we did previously. So um, I, I think those are the things that we'll, we'll start to see uh, uh, happening. Uh, online collaborations are growing. Like you said, you know, nobody heard of Zoom two weeks ago, and, and now that's probably the number one search on, on the uh, App Store. So, um, so it's, um, exactly. it is still an opportunity. I think, uh, you know, I'm, I'm trying to look positive and saying, okay, yes, there's a lot of doom and gloom around, um, but you know, how do we differentiate ourselves? Uh, you know, people still are going to need to eat. They still are going to, you know, want chocolate. Those things haven't happened because a bunch of people got sick. I mean, you know, uh, most of us will get better. Um, you know, we need to get back to our, our lives, whatever that looks like. And so um, what's the new normal is what we're, all, I guess, trying to figure that out, like you mentioned in teaching, you know, is, is a big shift to going to online classes. Uh, and and it's got some benefits and it has some downsides. So collaboration uh, decreases, but, uh, you know, um, convenience increases. And so we've got the same challenge with, um, with our side of how do we deal with that in retail? Um, I think for us, the other part where we think there's still opportunities is um we sell to a lot of grocery stores and grocery stores are doing great uh, as we speak I'm, I'm looking at the entrance to whole foods here at uh, workwood commons and the parking lot is full so um you know so grocery stores are doing just fine and we sell in a few grocery stores and i think you know that's probably our push is how do we get into a few more if you know People are not willing to come out to our shop, which is five doors down from Whole Foods, but they're willing to go to Whole Foods. Maybe I need to go to Whole Foods, right? So, um, you know, so I think we'll we'll look at that. But um, from a technology standpoint, that's still a to be determined. Um, um, right now, we're still set a little bit in survival mode and uh, and trying to figure out what exactly the future looks like um, is 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 hard to say. What's a virtual world look like? Sure. Well, and, and speaking of the future, some of our listeners are going to be students, students who are going into entrepreneurship, who are studying these ideas of small business and marketing. And I'm curious, kind of as, as a final question for you, you mentioned some of the mistakes that you would share with your younger self, but what would be a piece of advice or several pieces of advice that you would give to those students who, you know, they're going to be going into this field now in a very different environment? I mean, you know, who knows what will change in the aftermath of what we're currently experiencing, but yet entrepreneurs are still out there. Entrepreneurs are still getting their education. And what would you say to those future entrepreneurs as sort of a piece of advice you would pass to them? I'd say believe in yourself, you know, so if you are, you know, have an idea and, and you think it's good, you've done your homework and, and you believe it's good, um, then fight for it, make it happen. Um, 
when we started the craft chocolate, I mean, everybody that we talked to, you know, from banks to other entrepreneurs, all sort of gave us this very, you know, quizzical, like, I don't think so kind of look, but um, we believed in it. We believed it was important and, um, you know, we made it successful. So um, I think if you have an idea, um, you know, you certainly have to do your homework, your due diligence to make sure that it is, um, you know, something that that's marketable, that's sellable, but um, don't give up on it to make it, uh, you know, push through. Uh, there'll be a lot of resistance. There'll be a lot of people that tell you, why bother? Go get a job at, you know, whatever, Five Guys or Whole Foods and be happy. And um, I think those of us who are entrepreneurs know that that is not really um, what we're there for, that we want to solve these problems. We have an idea um, and we've got to just, you got to push. Absolutely. Well, that's wonderful advice, Paul. Let me let me ask you in closing, uh, where where can people go? to support Maverick Chocolate? What would be a website? What would be a way they can go online to find you? So the best way is uh, maverickchocolate.com. Uh, we've got our whole online uh, catalog on there. We've got uh, shipping specials now. And, uh, you know, we, uh, we've got all kinds of things coming up. Easter's two weeks away. We've got bunnies and eggs coming up. So, uh, um, you know, so I think uh, so maverickchocolate.com is... Uh, best way to get a hold of us. Well, Paul, thanks so much for joining me today and, and taking your time. And I, I appreciate your advice and, uh, and the conversation. My pleasure, Stephen. Thank you. So Paul Picton was my guest today, a co-owner of Maverick Chocolate here in Cincinnati. And uh, this concludes today's episode, but tune in next time for more from the CHCA Entrepreneurial Podcast.